Beyond TV would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of all the lands from which our listeners join us. The Beyond DV team are privileged to live and work in Mianjin on Turrbal and Yugara country. We pay our deepest respects to the traditional custodians of these lands and to all elders. We also pay our respects to all First Nations women and children who have been impacted by domestic and family violence. Welcome to Stories Beyond DV. My name is Carolyn Robinson and I am the founder and managing director of Beyond DV. Beyond DV is an organisation that supports women and children as they rebuild their lives from domestic and family violence. During this podcast series, we will be speaking with six incredible survivor advocates, each with their own story of recovery. In each episode, we'll be calling on an expert to give us some information about each topic we cover. In this episode, we'll be discussing recovering from systems abuse. Systems abuse can happen long after a person has left an abusive relationship. Coercive control continues, often through the court system, and can impact lives for many, many years. I'd like to welcome our survivor advocate, Deborah, and Margot Parker, who will be speaking with Deborah today. Good morning, Deborah. Thank you so very much for joining us this morning. I guess let's just head straight on into it. You left an abusive relationship and your legal matters, unfortunately, have dragged through the courts and are still continuing to drag through the courts. Can you share a little bit of your experience with us? So I separated from my partner about five years ago. We're still engaged in the court system some five years later, still trying to resolve issues. At the beginning, I left with what I could after the police told me to leave where I had the kids and what we could fit into the car. Shortly after that, we found somewhere to live, but I had nothing else, so we camped on the floor. We had air mattresses and blankets, but we were happy we had a roof over our head. We've relied on charities to get food, and I've taken a lot of time off work to deal with court matters and trying to resolve issues in the legal system. So I work in a professional position, And as a mother, I've found this kind of scenario very humiliating to me. Not many people in my work circle are aware of actually what's happened, but those who do are quite disgusted over what's happened. How do you think the system fails women in your position? Because, you know, we have more information than ever. We have more awareness than ever. And yet women like yourself and all of our survivors that I've spoken to Uh, have found themselves in a position of no finance, no support, homelessness and dragged through the courts, not being believed, not being supported unless they're community-run programs like Beyond DV. How are we still here? Um, You just find a way to make it work. (laughs) I guess the court in some way puts you in the position in some ways they don't put you in a realistic position. So in the scenario I was put in, I was responsible for the rental property expenses. I was also responsible for the primary house expenses as well, as well as being a single parent and providing everything for the children with no child support. 
So that was where I was faced with until a resolution was agreed in and the court and that took some years. So that would have stopped you from being able to move forward in your healing, in your recovery. How can systems abuse prevent women from being able to move forward? It's very financially draining. So I had the primary house, meant that I wasn't eligible for legal aid because of that, even though I had no access to any money within that house. Um, So I spent hours and days working overtime, extra shifts, trying to fund um, legal expenses. That also meant that I missed out on lots of time with the kids, which should have been spent with them, enjoying happy memories with them instead. It also restricts your ability to financially move on until you have court orders financially separating you. You can't accumulate any other assets because they can be deemed joint assets. Yeah, right. So couldn't purchase anything within that time frame. (laughs) And then the legal expenses were quite draining as well. There was repeated returns to court. Often might turn up to court and gets adjourned. You're still responsible for the expenses that day. So a day in court sometimes could cost me $10,000. Sometimes you just throw away thousands of dollars for it to be adjourned and turn up at the next date. And then just because of the ongoing coercive control through the systems, I'm just in a constant state of hypervigilance going, I wonder what the next court visit's going to be. Yeah. And so the system abuse of continuing the process of you trying to move forward has hindered your experience. What do you say to other women who are, you know, about to head into this process for themselves? You're obviously still in it and although there will come a time it will end, it could feel potentially like that's a really long time away. What advice would you give to women who are looking at going into this you know, situation in their life and this experience that they're about to live, someone who's lived it and still in it? So I guess you have to be aware um, that it's very mentally and financially draining. I think that's something that I didn't really understand first up. (laughs) Initially, when I went into it, I thought, that's okay, we can sort this out in 12 months and we'll be done and we move on. (laughs) I didn't realise it could turn into years later. Um, I think the courts could also help the scenario. Um, It takes years to get to a final trial date, three years plus sometimes. Maybe if it could be within the 12 months, it would help both parties move on a bit quicker. And Why is the process so long? It's just how the legal system works. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that, but you don't just go to court on one date and the issues get resolved. Often the first date is submit your information. I'll have a look. Maybe we'll make some orders. Maybe we need to come back. Maybe we need to get reports. So each time is just another step until you get to final orders, which can What would you like to see happen? uh, Within 12 months, I think. Yeah. Would be a fair timeframe for issues to be resolved. Often the perpetrators use the system at this point in time. They don't lodge documents. You're given timeframes when you had to have lodged. They don't submit them on time. Intentionally. Often, yes. Yeah. Often it's the day before, so then you don't have enough time to read the documents before you're in court or sometimes even the morning of court the documents get submitted. They fail to disclose full facts. So if you don't have all the information, you can't proceed on the day. That's then a 
adjournment to the next time until you get all the information. And then from the domestic violence order point of view, often the courts make an order for a specific time frame at the moment. So they might be for anywhere from one year to five years and then they expire. I found from talking to peers in the same scenario that the situation doesn't seem to resolve after the time frame ends. Maybe it would be better to make the DV orders between these partners lifetime, just to encourage good behaviour between the parties. How important has a support network and a community been for you throughout this process? The peer support was one of the biggest factors that helped me get through such a long journey. Beyond DV was probably the day I started to rebuild and get some confidence once I linked in with them. I've also engaged with support services such as counselling and psychology to try and get through it. Um, Linking children in with support services as well has been really helpful. Just they feel quite isolated. For them to see that they're not the only family that this has happened to has been really helpful Mm. for them. And then on a personal note, I try to, because it's such a long journey, compartmentalise that section of my life so I can move on in other areas and feel like I'm making achievements and moving on. The theme that I'm hearing from women who are living through this experience is asking for help, not divulging the information to their peers, their colleagues, their friends, their family, keeping it very much to themselves, like you said, compartmentalising it, keeping it separate. But asking for help is one of the biggest driving force to receiving help and support. How easy or hard was that for you, particularly as women? You know, we have that, we can do it. We're mothers, we've got our children to look after. We just take it on and we move forward. How difficult has that process been for you as an individual? That's probably been the hardest thing to deal with in the beginning, the asking for help, because I've never been a person to do that. But then I think you get to a point where you realise I have to, to survive. So you ask for help. Um, Now that I'm a bit further through the journey, um, I'm advocating for other survivors. I'm quite open to discussing the story with peers from school. And I've actually met other parents who need support in that sort of realm as well. So it's surprising who you meet in Mm. different dimensions that have come through the same circumstance as you. Yeah. What is the response when you tell people your story? Um, A lot of them are like, oh, you too, if they're in the same scenario. Wow. Didn't (laughs) realise. And is it something that you didn't realise from them? Yeah, definitely. So... You're like, the world gets quite small when you realise there's multiple families going Mm. through this scenario at the same time. I know you're in it and sometimes it's hard to see beyond that, but what does life look like for you now post-domestic and family violence and what do you hope for your future? I think it's changed our outlook on life a lot We really appreciate the simple things in life a lot more. We've got a permanent roof over our head, which in this 
days and times of um, rental crises and trying to find accommodation we're really appreciative of. I understand the importance of recovery now. I can see how it affects other people in their journey and the trauma-based history. And I try to use that. I volunteer my time with several organisations to try and help them with people who come through their services with recovery as well. What do you hope for this space? What would you like to see changed? What would you like to see better? We're so much more aware of what abuse looks like. It's not just physical. It's not just bruises. It's not the stuff that you can see, but the coercive control, the financial control you bring into our attention, the system abuse uh, being dragged through the courts and the enabling that, you know, perpetrators are given through that process. Where do you think the biggest change needs to happen from your personal experience? I think the court system needs to change. That's had the biggest impact on our lives, both financially and with time to resolve issues Um, and the use of it to continue coercive control issues after we've left and trying to move on with our lives. Women who listen to this are in a position where you can give them hope. Would you say it's worth the fight? Um, It's a long fight and it's a hard fight, but I would say to stay strong, keep going and the real person will shine through at the end. Know that you can be happy and can make a difference. It's just a tough battle. And I think it's also important to realise that it's not a quick fix. Perpetrators use this system. They hide money. They don't pay child support. They don't comply with orders. Um, They're basically a person unto their own, but I think you need to rise above that and keep moving forward. What do you think the impacts have been on your children and how do you manage that? Uh, I see a lot of it coming out now in their relationships with males. I think they kind of hide away a lot of their emotions and they keep that blocked up and it comes out in their behaviour towards mainly myself. They're quite um, high achievers, but underneath it all, I think there's other things that affect their lives that I can see that it doesn't affect other people. How is your relationship with yourself? Uh, With myself, I think it's quite good now. I'm strong and I'm confident and I can tell my story. I would now like to welcome our expert, Nadia Bromley. Nadia is the CEO of Women's Legal Service Queensland. Women's Legal Service Queensland provides statewide free legal advice, social work support and financial counselling for women. More than 90% of their clients have experienced domestic and family violence. Since being admitted as a lawyer 18 years ago, Nadia has worked in a variety of roles, including a significant period at Legal Aid Queensland, She is passionate about access to justice and creating safe futures for women and their children. We know that people using violence regularly use the family law system as a tool to continue their abuse. People can initiate family law proceedings or make multiple applications because they know it will cause distress, harm or exacerbate trauma. Their motive might be to keep the victim trapped in lengthy legal proceedings so they can't move on or recover. We want to see reforms to improve the family law system to better protect the needs of victims. Systems abuse can occur across multiple areas of the legal system, family law, child protection, 
or domestic violence protection orders. We need all parts of the legal system to be working together and collaborating to prevent this happening. What this looks like is changes to the actual laws to prevent the misuse of courts, but also education for those in the system and in the broader community to help identify and address this behaviour. Thank you for listening to Stories Beyond DV. And thank you to our guests, our survivor advocate, Deborah, our expert, Nadia Bromley, and our interviewer, Margot Parker. On our next episode, we'll be talking about recovering from extreme control. We hope you can tune in. If you are being impacted by domestic and family violence, or you know someone else who is, please don't hesitate to reach out for help, either by calling 000 if you are in immediate danger, or the National Domestic Violence Helpline at 1800 RESPECT. You can find out more information about the programs and services we offer for victim survivors of domestic and family violence on our website, beyonddv.org.au. Please follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode and share with a friend. It really helps to spread the word. You never know who might need to hear this. Stories Beyond DV was made possible with support from the Zonta Club of Brisbane. This series was produced and sound designed by Tiffany Dimack. I'm Carolyn. Take care and I look forward to talking to you next time.